Hey everybody, welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, as always, wearing her Elite hoodie, is Megan. Hello. It's that time of year. It's cold in my house, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, before we get into any of the usual business, we have our Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Take it away, Jenny. Well, this week I've got a Spindrift Raspberry Lime that I'll be pouring over ice in my Six Wine Four mug. That wasn't a very good sound, was it? Cans are hard. I feel like I was doing better the last few weeks. <laughs> I have uh, a large ice water. There's no sound to be made. Megan. I have a, uh, going back to the 0% ABV Heineken's in a bottle, so I don't know if I'll be able to make a sound, but I'll try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was pretty good. It was, I feel like it was a little sad sound, but what are you going to do? Are the Heineken's 0% not in the green bottle? Oh, it's green. My, it, my room oh, is okay. dark. I have bad lighting. Yeah, green bottles. Very Heineken-y. Cool. Well, cheers, everyone. Uh, uh, this is the last week of uh, dry January, so maybe Megan will be, you know, back at it next week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see if I can make it. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, it's... God, I mean, you know, we, we already... We, we tapped out, but but you've got... You've only got four days to go. It's true. Um, it's the home stretch that's the hardest, though, because man, I would really like some champagne. Now, here's here's my question: Are you? Do you think you're going to be able to successfully watch the Royal Rumble sober? Ooh, um, yes. If it were like, I think if it were WrestleMania, yeah, like one of those really long WrestleManias. <laughs> Yeah, where the Undertaker takes twenty minutes to get to the ring. Yeah, right. I I know he's not really a factor anymore, but if it were a WrestleMania where it's a really long show, or like one of those other random ones that they toss in throughout the year that probably isn't great, then yes, it would be harder. But the Royal Rumble, Rumble, you can like count on, you can count on some good fun times. Probably it's going to be okay. I hope. I think so. I'm excited for it. I, you know, it's always. The great thing about the Rumble is you, you know, if you don't like who's in the ring, you wait two minutes, somebody else comes out. Yeah, and it's likely that if you don't like someone in the ring, every, what, like six or so people, they'll probably clear it out, you know. Yeah, they'll, they do they'll, the, they'll, yeah, they'll shake it up. They'll uh, yeah. they'll do a, uh, a, a turnover. Yeah, it's great. And there's yeah. always so many people in the ring that you can barely focus on anyone anyway. Jenny, did you know that <laughs> in the 90s... In WCW. The what? The nineties. What does that mean? The nineteen nineties. There was a <laughs> what why are you saying it like that? I don't know what you're talking about. There was a match concept called World War Three, which not only harrowing, was also a complete clusterfuck where there were three rings with oh twenty God. wrestlers in each ring. So it was a sixty man battle royal. So it was twice the size of the Royal Rumble. And as our good friend Justin Shapiro once described it, it was like watching a bunch of bees buzzing around a hive. You couldn't tell what was going on. 
they just open the door to the locker room. All right, everybody out. Go do stuff. <laughs> the worst part was, so this was in the 90s, as I said. when. Why the, are you saying it weird? At I this point, just because you're getting upset about it. <laughs> Is that not the um, correct pronunciation? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Megan. Uh, <laughs> Stop trolling me, Megan. I can't. I won't. This is an era where televisions were, you know, four by three. It's like they're box TVs and and mostly not very big because they were so damn heavy. Yep. So what World War Three would do is oftentimes they would be projecting smaller images of all three rings on the screen at one time. So you really couldn't see anything that was happening because I've gone back and watched some of these matches on like a bigger TV now in the modern times. And even then, all blown up, it's still kind of difficult because they're they're, they're they they very rarely use the full screen. They they, wow. they want you to see what's going on in all three rings at once, and as a result, you can't see what's going on anywhere. Did, do you think nobody just really thinks that through? Or, or I think I think that's the answer for the first time. I have no idea why they were able to do it three more times after that with the same production. <laughs> Wait, did they call it World War Four and Five? No, it kept it just kept being World War Three. <laughs> World War Three Part Two. <laughs> wow, that's um, that's alarming. Although these days the the visual issue is that they cut fifty times in sixty seconds. That's true. Or if you're AEW, you just like miss spots. Yeah. I think I'd rather miss a spot than feel like I was going to throw up from motion sickness with the the yeah. hard cuts. Yeah, you might want to you might want to like take something before we before we watch on Saturday. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh gosh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Wait, it's on Saturday. Yeah. Why did they move it to Saturday? Um, Tony Khan released the... his Saturday oh. only control. Um. Well, he's Tony's not doing Saturday. Sunday that's what I'm is um. Playoff football. They don't want to go up. They don't mm. want to go up against the NFC Championship game. Oh, yeah, that's probably a wise move. Yeah, and I like Saturday pay per views better. I wish all of them were Saturday pay per view. I'm really, I'm already mad that the next AEW pay per view is going to be on Sunday, and it's on. He Tony. I don't believe anything Tony says. I know oh, it's Cody I'm again. Sure. In like a couple <laughs> years, some big shit's going to hit the fan about shit we didn't know about Tony Khan, but. Why I think that is because he lies to us. He tells us that we're going to have Saturday pay-per-views always because that's the better day and he understands that people have to work on Sunday. Then he changes one to Sunday, but it's a holiday weekend. So we're going to do Sunday pay-per-views on a holiday weekend, but only holiday weekends. Now we've got a stupid Sunday pay-per-view on a non-holiday weekend. How am I supposed to stay up until 1230 because your pay-per-views last forever? Well, I think he's just hoping the demographic of people he's aiming for are able to stay up till midnight on a weeknight. <laughs> on a work night? Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. I mean, you have to pay for this pay-per-view. If you're paying for this pay-per-view, you have a job, which means you have to get up and be functional at your job the next day. Or you're married to someone with a job or your mom has a job. There's a lot of variables in there. Well... I, I wish it was on a Saturday this time, too. I wish they were always on Saturdays. But the reason he's doing it is there is a UFC pay-per-view on Saturday. CJ, I know, I know the answer to that competition. is... I know the answer to that is run it a week earlier or a week later. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know why he didn't do that. He's 
Uh, he's a liar. Okay. All right. <laughs> All this to say, I'm excited to watch the Royal Rumble on Saturday. Okay. AEW Rampage ratings uh, were up for John Moxley's big return match. This from Paul Fontaine at WrestlingObserver.com. Friday night's episode of Rampage averaged 594,000 viewers on TNT, up 12.9% from the previous week. The best audience for the show since November 5th. The show featured John Moxley's first match since October. In the 18-49 demo, Rampage drew a .24 rating, up 20% from the prior week, and the best rating on the show since October 29th. Uh, the show finished sixth on cable in the 18 to 49 demo. Biggest increases were with young men. Uh, and yeah, so. Moxley not pulling in those ladies. So they did, yeah, so so last week on the 14th, they did a point two. So they, did, they were up to a point two four this week. So big numbers drawn by Jonathan Moxley. Yeah, the ladies got some hook later. So I, mean, yeah. I think the ladies probably. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Uh, no, we talked about last week. He was looking he hot was, as hell. He was looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Into it. And that takes us to ratings for AEW Dynamite. This also from WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, Wednesday's Beach Break edition of AEW Dynamite averaged 1.1 million viewers on TBS. Up 6.6% from last week. The best audience Dynamite has drawn since September 29th of last year. In the 18-49 demo, Dynamite finished second on cable with a .41 rating. That is down 6.8% from last week, so the audience for the show skewed much older for this episode. Uh, Let's see. As compared with the same week in 2021, when the show still had NXT as head-to-head competition, Dynamite was up 50% in overall viewership and 41% in 18 to 49. So, pretty good week of ratings for the All Elite Wrestling Company. Indeed. I'm not surprised. I kind of what? 50% over last year. Well, they're head to head with NXT last year. I know, but I'm I'm just so surprised. I thought the NXT, you know, you had the olds going over there, but it just seems like such an increase for taking away one competitor. Good for them though. They did have the olds going over there. Um, although there there's more olds watching AEW now than there used to be. That's their their uh their average age is getting getting higher. Well, they already had Wednesday night open. Yeah. All right, that takes us to AEW Rampage for the week. We were from Washington, D.C. We were live for reasons that I still don't fully understand. Maybe it's like time to test book. No, no idea. Like, there was nothing on there that I thought called for it to be live. (laughs) Well, why why rent the building twice? (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there was a um, curfew ordinance or something that that venue only goes to a certain time frame. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's Excalibur. It's Taz. It's Ricky Starks. And the worst commentator in the world, Chris Jericho. <laughs> we begin with John Moxley versus Ethan Page. And I noticed that John Moxley looks very small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, he looks little. He slimmed down. 
It's weird. It is, but he still looks like an angry badass, so I'm into it. But uh, Ethan Page, relatively speaking, towered over him, and that was shocking. Yes, towered over him and had a uh, very competitive match with him, uh, more than you'd expect. But uh, they had they had a I thought they had a very fun little match as uh, Moxley tapped him out with a bulldog choke after drilling him with knees to the head. Yeah. It was intense. I liked it. It was intense. Uh, so Mox was walking to the back after his big win, and Brian Danielson's standing there and the, the like, kind of in his way, mm. just smiling at him, doing a little, doing a little clap. So it looks like they're maybe going to do. Uh, we're going to get back to that match we were supposed to have at the last pay per view. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Express cut a promo on the Ass Boys. God. No one cares about the ass boys. We get Trent versus Nick Jackson, uh, which was supposed to be Rapungi Vice versus uh, the Young Bucks, but COVID robbed us of that and of uh, of, tr- of uh, Rocky Romero's health. But of course, he was uh, he was on he was on Dynamite, so he's clearly okay. Yeah. And I just kind of thought they would pivot to best friends versus Young Bucks. That seemed to make sense to me. Yeah, I I definitely didn't expect them to downgrade the fact that it was a tag match. I mean, why not throw yeah. throw Chuck in there? I ended up being totally fine with it because these two had a sensational singles match. And I think Trent, you could safely say, got the, uh, well, no, probably not the biggest win. His, I, I think still think the biggest win of his career was the private parking lot brawl mm-hmm. against Proud and Powerful. But certainly the biggest singles win of his AEW career. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, great match here. Uh, he won with the strong zero or the crunchy. I guess it's only the strong zero when it's um when it's the tandem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he did his half of it though. Yeah. And uh, yeah, these two were uh, were just great. Nick Jackson, of course, is a a master of the wrestling ring. I love when he tried to tag Matt, and then Matt was like, "It's not a <laughs> tag match." <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we get another Mercedes Martinez Thunder Rosa video package, and uh, it's it's just like there's one of these every week on Rampage. There's no other follow up on it. I, wh- wh- why is this match not happening yet? Do you think it's like a, I don't know, like some sort of restriction or location issue? Like Mercedes Martinez is clearly able to appear on Dynamite Television. So I can't imagine there's any reason why she isn't allowed to have like an official match, but it's weird. She hasn't been, I'm looking at her cage match right now. She hasn't wrestled on like a dark or an elevation or anything. There's no way that they've like signed her, but there's some sort of clause where she can't start. Like, do you think they would make an allowance for something weird like that? Cause I can't think of a situation where you no, would cause... sign somebody and not be allowed to use them. Yeah, I mean, even if you would, then you wouldn't put them in an angle. Like, yeah. you just wait You just wait until they were able to do whatever you wanted them to do. Right. Yeah, it's weird. I, unless... I think this is just... I think it's just their, their issue with, like, using people. Like, because they have such a bloated roster. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, she's supposed to be this exciting addition to the women's part of the show. And so, you just put her out there, man. 
So we get Hook versus Serpentico up next. <laughs> yes. Um, Serpentico has streamers. <laughs> he does that, right? Didn't he yeah. even do that with Luther? Where he he's got was? yeah, he's the the Chaos Project has streamers. So he's got his streamers, and Hook just I don't know. He this offends him somehow. So Hook Hook just like chokes him out, stand like hits him with a standing uh, red rum, and uh, chokes him all the way out. Yeah. I think this was the shortest hook match uh, yet. Hook hates party favors. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. So Hook's walking back up to the ramp to like, you know, he's done. He's he's finished. He's going to go to the back and, I don't know, eat chips or go to the club with Antonio Brown. Or no, whatever he does. he's not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> He's a good boy. QT Marshall comes out. And if you'll remember, a couple weeks ago, he got in Hook's face and got suplex for his troubles. And it happens again here, but uh, on the ramp this time. So... And then uh, Hook excellently uh, steps over QT uh, on his way to the back. That was amazing. I still think QT's just, like, got real bad judgment if this is his strategy to just keep coming out and poking the bear. And that takes us to our main event, TBS title on the line. That bitch, Jade Cargill, uh, takes on Anna Jay of the Dark Order. And I... I saw how much time there was left in the show when this match started, and I thought, huh, there's probably going to be a big angle afterwards. But no, these two went eight minutes and 34 seconds. And Megan, I got to tell you, I thought it was a minor miracle. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Like, yeah. I, I I, guess I'm tempering my expectations based on Jade's last performance against Ruby, but I thought... Maybe there's just some magic with Anna, Jay, and Red Velvet where the the chemistry works because I thought this match was good. And Jade looked good. Anna looked good. I don't know. I, I was surprised. I bet they spent a lot of time practicing it. Probably. I mean, I'm... I think that's that's what Jade needs. I think she looks excellent when she spends the time with the opponent beforehand, like with the red velvet. So I bet that's exactly what happened, and that's wonderful. I, yeah, I mean, I don't want her to look bad, especially considering her positioning in the company. I was just, it was much better than I expected it to be. Yes, definitely. Um and the crowd was like the crowd was very there for uh, Jade Cargill. There were there were dueling chants and even a couple of outright chants for Jade Cargill during the match. Yeah, and they loved it when she and John and Silver got in each other's faces and um, had dueling like flex a flex moment, which is hilarious because I think John Silver's arms are bigger, but he's so much smaller. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, they're indeed. probably just. Barely bigger, though. Let's be real. With how big, like, John Silver's arms are, like, Jade's got huge arms, too. It's it's true. She looked great. Um, it's too bad Anna Jay couldn't, c- couldn't get it done. Just one news item of note uh, that doesn't kind of just fit into the... Uh fit into the recap for uh, Dynamite coming up, so I'll say it here. Uh, Johnny Gargano tweeted last night at 10.07 p.m. right after Dynamite went off the air. Uh, and it's notable that he had not, he hadn't he hadn't been on social media all day long. So he finally gets on uh, Twitter and he says, I heard you and you have no idea how much it means to me that you're excited to see me back at it. 
It's scary to step away because your insecurities say they'll forget about you. But you haven't forgotten, and I promise that I will make it up to you ASAP. Hashtag Johnny Wrestling. Yeah. There were Johnny Wrestling tweets in the main event. Not tweets. Cheers. Yes, there were. There was. <laughs> there were. There were Johnny Wrestling tweets like in Chef, where they like plop. Yeah, up they're just popping up. <laughs> there was. There was at least one sign though with his little um, like smiley face, one eye squinting. Yeah. <laughs> so this has to just be that Candace is so close. I think so. Yeah, because otherwise it's it's so perfect. They were in Cleveland, you know, so. Uh, I think a lot of people talked themselves into the idea that he was going to be there. I mean, including you. Including me? Yeah. I did. I saw the timestamp on my uh, recording. It was a little, it was like two minutes past two hours. And I'm like, oh, they went over for some reason. And I bet that reason <laughs> is Johnny wrestling. And then I waited the whole time. And uh, I was not given what I expected. Well, I am sorry about that, Megan. It's okay. It's a pretty good show, despite all that. Yeah, I'd say so. You want to talk about us? Uh, talk to us about it. Sure. Yes. 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 This show happened. Beach break at the beachiest place ever, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we're at the Wallstein Center, which apparently they had not been to uh, for two years, I believe they said, and the crowd really expressed how happy they were to have the show come back, and they were so loud the whole time yeah they they uh i think they came in february of 2020 so it would have been like one of the last you know pre-pandemic dynamites oh wow yeah and they, okay and they and they drew 4800 and they came back this time and they drew 6000 way to show up cleveland uh but, but guys what kind of planning books Cleveland, Ohio, on January 26th for Beach Bash. Beach Break. Well, uh, uh, the planning that puts Orange Cassidy in a main event that he's going to win with his move, the Beach Break. <laughs> they had to, they brought I think, it back. I think that you, for some reason you don't think they're in on the joke with this beach thing. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I think... That they have one segment that for sure proves they're in on the joke on this show. Well, I know they have that one segment, but I mean, it was, it felt like minus eight degrees last night in Cleveland. Well, I'm just, I, I think I'm just more upset, not necessarily that they called a beach break for a joke or whatever, but that they booked Cleveland on January 26th. Why would you go to Cleveland and Chicago in January and February. You know, with global warming, you don't actually know if it's going to be cold in January. It could get up to 60. It's Ohio. We don't know. Although they did go very close to the lake and um, it remains extremely cold. So we'll get to it. But you can't tell it's cold outside during the first match because um, there's no windows and... They're indoors, and those two people that took place or took part in the first match are Sammy and Cody, and the the goal being to unify the uh, TNT Championship, the interim TNT Championship, which uh, 
there's two belts. Again, I'm still confused why they needed to create one for Sammy in the interim, but they did. And they're both hanging above the ring because this is a ladder match. So, um, you know, the goal is to get, get them belts. And, man, these two, uh, they put on a uh, a match. Like, even by ladder match standards, I thought this was a hell of a thing to have on a free episode of Dynamite. Good for them. Um, ultimately, Sammy wins and is now the official TNT champion instead of the interim. Um, but there was so much going on in this match. It was great. And uh, I'll open the floor to you two to to speak of your favorite moments, I guess, because there was a lot of stuff going on. An all-time great ladder match, I would say. Um, Kind of built around three really big spots. The first of which was, uh, I think, the one that that really caught your attention was the superplex off the ladder from Cody to Sammy. Yep. Where Sammy's leg almost hooked in the, the... the, the thing belt. holding up the belt. Yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. was like paying attention to that. I was very happy that didn't happen. Um, My but... favorite, though, was the one where Sammy jumped from the one ladder. Well, that would be the second spot, mm-hmm. yep. I know. That's why I said it next. Okay, so <laughs> he he. Uh, there were two ladders set up. Cody was climbing atop to, to grab the belts. Sammy had another ladder set up near him. He jumped up onto the top of his ladder, used it as a springboard and jumped over to Cody and hit him with the, uh, like the cutter. And Cody's ladder was higher than Sammy's ladder. Yeah. So he had to get up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was like springboard off of a step of a ladder people. And they hit it perfectly. Yeah. They hit it absolutely perfectly. And then spot number three, I would say would be the Jeff Hardy tributes. Um, (laughs) swanton off the ladder which jenny and i were convinced that that maniac was going to try to do a 630 from the top of the ladder and i was just thinking like they would they need to like they need to come out and like um put cement around the legs of the ladder so it doesn't move because otherwise he's gonna he's gonna die but thankfully he just gracefully pitched forward (laughs) and didn't try to jump off of it because i think he would have i think the whole thing would have come out from under him if he had and he, now there was one other that wasn't really a spot, but was another moment that was supposed to be big where they both hung from. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They, where they were suspended in the air, but nothing really came of it. They didn't get replayed. So it just, they just dropped. Yeah. 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 But it was kind of terrifying for a bit. We thought it was going to end like <laughs> Owen. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was going to end like Owen. No. He, he <laughs> fell from about three times as high. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, and was not planning on falling. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they fell relatively shorter distance. I think the greatest moment in the history of our show is when Jenny said the line. And then they stopped the pay-per-view, of course, right? And then Justin... <laughs> Started started cackling and said, "Are we are we doing a sketch right now?" Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't have wrote a more perfect, horrifying joke. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, so I really I thought this was excellent. Um, the way it kind of ebbed and flowed and built up to each of those big kind of tentpole spots, I thought was really a really smart structure, mm-hmm. and it was never boring. You know, and uh, it was just. And once they started with the ladders, it just built and built and built. Yes. 
Yeah, I also like that to win, um, Sammy, they they did that thing where they're both up on the top of the ladder because, of course, that's how ladder matches have to end. And Sammy took the belt and swung it to hit Cody in the face before he took it off. I thought that was just like a fun little thing to do. That was to good, like, too. That oh, was and good. I forgot I forgot the, the crossroads off the ladder was really, was a really, like, Sammy <sighs> took a really good bump for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this match ruled. This and was awesome. Sammy did. So much work. Sammy is so talented. I'm always impressed when he has a big match. I remember being impressed with him his first night against a match with Cody. Yeah. And this is he, the, uh, a couple of two and a half years later, he's, mm-hmm. he's finally ready to, to beat Cody. Yeah. Yeah. With him, some uh the, the Cubs fan on Twitter uh, pointed out with, uh, with Sammy getting back the TNT title and unifying it. Every championship in AEW is now held by someone that they developed and not a, you know, a past star. I'd say like hangman is like arguable because he was in ring of honor, new Japan, but you know, he's, Certainly didn't come from WWE. Where did Sammy come from? Because he had that big blog before vlog before he um he started. He was just hustling the the Indies. Like I, I, he might have done some MLW stuff. I forget honestly, but yeah, um, I think he almost ended up in Lucha Underground, but some somebody told him like, "Don't do it." Like, <laughs> wasn't he going to go there when it was not right at the beginning, but when it started to get weird and bad? Like, with the contract stuff? Yeah, when it was, like, when they were still... Yeah, because, like, they would sign, they had those weird contracts where it's, like, you sign for seven seasons or whatever. Yeah. Which sounds fine, I guess, if you're... If they're in production. But there were points where they would, like, shut down for a year and then and pay you your guarantee, which was not very much. And you couldn't go do anything else. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, what? yeah, so that's what he was doing. Yeah, every champion, all, all of them are, are like basically AEW projects. That's that's good. I like that. I think that's really good. That's not to say that, you know, a big outside star should never win a belt again, but I just think it's kind of cool right now that they have that. Yeah, the fact that they have enough people that, that they can do that. And that's enough titles. True, yes. <laughs> I mean... Don't go crazy on titles. There's a fine number right now. Yeah. But, yeah. But what, a, what a hell of a start to the show this was. It was. And um, I don't still fully understand why, but at one point near the end, Fuego Del Sol, Sammy's good friend, ran out to try and save him. All he got was, like, destroyed by Cody. And then he popped back up at the end once Sammy had won to, like, give him a congratulatory hug but like he made no difference in the match that i could tell i was a little confused why they bothered sending him out i was confused by this too and the announcer said that he was friends with both cody and sammy yeah it's one of those things that i think you have to watch the sammy vlog to understand (laughs) oh okay well i will believe you because i i was just like what's fuego doing out there is he gonna make some sort of like interference or or actually change things in any way and no cody dispatched him immediately and then he disappeared until the match was over he was so beaten up so just thought i'd throw it out there see see if there's any explanation but so there's been something there's been something happening on dark lately since they've been doing those orlando tapings 
um, in the studio, which I still have not really watched. I, I should probably get around to it. But um, there's been a new team uh, that started teaming up back in October called Too Fast, Too Fuego. Oh, gosh. Okay. And it's it's Fuego del Sol and, and a mysterious, mysterious luchador called Fuego 2, who he has this... He has this, he wears a singlet, so you can't quite see it, but he has this tattoo over his left peck that looks like it says dream, but it's, you can't tell for sure because the, because, you know, where the singlet is. Wait, what about the neck tattoo? And it looks like he's got like something on his neck, but it's hard to tell because he's got a mask covering a lot of his face. But anyway, Too Fast, Too Fuego is an (laughs) undefeated, uh, undefeated tag team on, on Dark. I am confused but I love that Cody has decided maybe I'm just going to have a little fun. Oh my God. That's not even like mostly covering either of the <laughs> tattoos. There's also another that's so dark is just crazy. Now there's also another wrestler um, who is definitely not Brian Danielson, uh, who wears a full body suit. Who's called El Infinito. What? <laughs> uh, well. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love the the Chikara vibe from that. You know, where mm-hmm. you just I guess if you can't use your, your big guys all the on all the shows, let them go have a little fun. What's it gonna yeah. hurt? Keep them fresh. It's not hurting anybody. Get your money's worth. That's incredible. And now I am tempted to watch Dark. Damn you. Uh, Okay, well, (laughs) what a thought. Um, After that match, we get to the segment where I think this is is AEW acknowledging that this is a joke, beach break. Uh, Tony (laughs) Schiavone has been requested to meet Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs at the beach, uh, specifically Edgewater Beach, which I've been to, not in the snow. But it is frigid and looks terribly uncomfortable for Tony here. Hobbs just tells him to man up and get over it. Um, but I feel bad for Tony. So we're here to learn from Starks and Hobbs that Hobbs wants a rematch with Dante Martin because he says the the last match they had where Dante won was just a lucky turn of events for Dante. Uh, he will destroy him. And Ricky... Wants to challenge Jay Lethal to a match on Dynamite where he puts his FTW World Championship on the line um, because he loves it so much and Jay Lethal doesn't respect it. Neither does, I think, a lot of people, but that's just my guess. <laughs> it's not a real belt. Um, and this is this was a quick, like, mostly, like, informative informative thing about matches but i did like that it ended with tony looking at them both and saying my hand is frozen to this microphone by the way and ricky starks giving him the most dismissive look and just like replying so it's just (laughs) i thought it was hobbs who said so i thought it was ricky i don't if hobbs said so ricky made the face to go with it i i don't know like he's he's a performer i dig him he is at that so that's what we've got coming up for Team Taz. Um, after this, we get, you know, hometown hero, War Dog. He is facing two geeks who War I... War Daddy, according to a couple of signs in the crowd. I saw that. I was like, 
Why haven't we been calling him that? Welcome home, War Daddy. That's what that sign said. Um, but uh, I don't know if these two men he's facing are hometown talent or what. I'm sure they're from that area, yeah. Okay, it's their names, not that they matter, are Elijah Dean and James Alexander. Um, War Dog destroyed these two men. It, it was a handicap match, one versus two, and uh, he still beat them by doing five power bombs between them. I, I think one got three, one got two. But it ended up with him power bombing one of them onto the other and then putting a foot on them. And that was the match. He's mm-hmm. very good at the power bombs. I thought he was going to try and pick them up at the same time and power bomb them both at the same time. That would have been, been something. I bet he's capable. Uh-huh. Um, Sean Spears was there, but he... I. I didn't get the sense that there was a contentious thing between them for this match. No, he seemed like he was going to go down to the ring to do his thing, but Wardlow kind of, you know, said, eh, you know, and, and uh, Spears actually, you know, he, he, he listened to him. Yeah. That was the part that surprised me. Spears didn't argue. (laughs) So I don't know what, what that was. Maybe they're mending fences. Who knows? Fucking Um, chair pervert. He is a chair pervert. (laughs) (laughs) It comes up later. Um, after that war dog, uh, destruction match, we get the trios match between, uh, it's Daniel Garcia and 2.0 against Chris Jericho and proud and powerful. I would say against the inner circle, but mm, I'm starting to question, um, Santana gets the pin on Matt Lee to end this, uh, but it's after Chris Jericho hit. Matt Lee in the face with the Judas effect on the outside that Santana was not aware of. So um, it's important to know that he didn't realize Jericho helped him because the tone of this match was we're breaking up. Uh, Santana and Ortiz did their damnedest to keep Jericho out and not tag him in. Uh, Jericho had to tag himself in once, I think. And even then they immediately tagged him back out. They were ignoring him. They were not trying to include him in any way. And uh, he started to get mad and at the end of the match he slowly backed up the stage screaming back at them like is this what you're gonna do and it looks like the inner circle are having some troubles well it's it's weird because at the he he got really frustrated that they wouldn't tag him in and then after he you know he tagged himself in and they tagged himself back out he made a big push for them to like tag him back in, and the and the and they chose the the um the other partner, and then he got frustrated and went off the apron, and I thought he was just gonna walk away, but then at the end he cheated, which allowed them to get the win. I don't know if he cheated. I mean, it was a six man tag. It's not like it was a singles match and he interfered. Well, I know, but he did a move that then caused yeah when he was by the side of the ring. That then cause for the win. So I think he's going to make a big deal about how like you wouldn't have won that without me. But it was also very clear that he, like he didn't want to be part of this group because he was upset. I read it more as he was frustrated, but ultimately they're still his guys. So he was going to he was going to help. Hmm. That's not how I read it. Maybe he's not a very good actor. That's, I mean, that's possible. He's not an actor. <laughs> he tries, but he's not. Uh. Jenny, I think I also thought he was going to leave. I don't know that I assumed 
anything else. I, I guess, actually, yeah, thinking about it, I did think when he was walking up the stage at the end, oh, he's definitely going to not let them forget that he's the reason they won. Um, but, like, an interesting point that Excalibur made during the match was that uh, with Sammy's win over Cody, they got gold in the inner circle, and now that might influence... Santana and Ortiz's thought process of like, well, Sammy gets to go win titles and we're here doing the boss's dirty work. And that probably is not great for them. So how long does the inner circle last? Well, I had already thought they had broken up like months ago because they weren't <laughs> on TV together. But then within the last what few weeks, they started talking again. So well, they kind of like soft. It's like, didn't Jericho even say that? Like, we just kind of had a soft breakup, but then Tony Khan said, "No, <laughs> you guys are still together." Yeah, it was. I feel like he like, said that on his podcast at some point. Like we're friends, uh, but it was almost like, well, we're still a a group, but like friends, not so much official. <laughs> like you know. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, it, that's that's realistic. People, like, because friends do drift apart, but it's not very dynamic or, or interesting from a, like, wrestling storyline standpoint. No, you have to tell the audience the story of what's happening, so you you definitely should address that, and I guess it's time to address that. Yeah, they gotta, they gotta stop, like, thinking that their storylines are, like, of the caliber of an HBO drama where you can have a lot of like subtlety and nuance. Cause it's just like, like, look, I appreciate some of that stuff, but it's still at the end of the day, it's wrestling and you gotta, you gotta hit people over the head with things sometimes, both uh, literally and physically or, uh, uh, yeah. What's the opposite of literally, um, figuratively. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like when they go subtle and it works. Uh, the inner circle status was just got confusing after a while. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you got Jake Hager floating around somewhere. Sammy, I think, is friends with Jericho again. So, I, you know, it's five people they have to break up. We'll see. But for now, we move on to hear from Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. Um, Lance declares that he wants to face Adam on his own terms, Adam Page. And his terms are a Texas death match. There is a clip of Adam being told this information, and he, he, he's the best. He just looks at the camera, kind of confused, and goes, oh, what? <laughs> and, and then once they've clarified to him what that is, he kind of recovers, and he agrees to this request. And he says, all right, we'll have a Texas death match on Dynamite in two weeks. So It was perfect. Yeah, I loved it. His reaction was perfect, because it was like... Because you should, you should be a little bit afraid of a that guy and b wrestling that guy in his match. But at the end of the day, you're the world champion, so like, okay, yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah. He he just needed a second to collect himself, uh, and he he did it. But his initial reaction was amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, where are they in two weeks? Uh, strangely, they're not waiting until they're in Texas in March. Uh, they, they're they're uh, they're in Atlantic City for the first time in two weeks. Okay, I was just curious if that was going to sync up to anything Texas relevant, but that seems like no. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> okay, well, 
that should be fun. Should be interesting. Your boy might bleed, Jenny. But we'll I'm so sick of seeing the blood. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, oh, frankly, I will say, I just assumed that with ladders in play, Cody would have been gushing blood by the end of his match, and he didn't bleed. That was a That's surprise. True. Tiny, tiny improvements there. Uh, but anyway, Tony Schiavone is talking to Christian, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Matt Hardy, and Private Party in the back. Uh, Jurassic Express is scheduled to defend their championship against the number one ranked Private Party on Rampage. Gotta say, was kind of surprised Private Party's in the top spot, but whatever. We've discussed how rankings are bizarre and can be gamed before, so I won't get into it, but that's happening on Rampage. Um, Christian starts to talk about the strife that comes with being at the top. Everybody wants a PCU, including those ass boys. Um, and Matt cuts him off at that point and says, nobody cares about the ass boys. Mm-hmm. Matt wants to focus on his boys, the private party, who he deems to be the best tag team since his brother and himself, the Hardy boys, which is quite a compliment, I think, considering who it's coming from. Um, but yeah, it's it's private party's time to shine, and he expects them to become the champs pretty easily. Jenny has doubts. You can, can't can hear it, but her face says it's not going to happen. And I tend to agree with her. <laughs> yeah, Private Party. They're, okay, so this, they've won their last two two-on-two tag team matches. Mm-hmm. And they've both been this month. So that's fine. But before that, because if you remember, Mark Quinn was injured for a while. Yeah, they like didn't have doubles matches. So the last time they won a two-on-two match before this most recent run was November, or sorry, September 15th. So how are they top? Did they just do a very extensive loop on Dark? No, they wrestled twice, like I said. Oh. I mean, they beat they beat a couple of really heavy hitter tag teams, though. They, they took out uh, Chase Emery and Patrick Scott. As well as Action Andretti and Miles Hawkins. So, oh yeah, it's very clear why they're the number one ranked now. Thank you for for showing me the error of my thinking. Mm-hmm. The rankings do make sense; they are they perfect. They absolutely do. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll see how the tag team rankings shake out after rampage and after that match. Um, but for now we go back to the live show where we get a CM Punk segment. He's here to talk to Cleveland and hopefully to get MJF to actually fight him. He comes out in his gear, fully ready to fight. He says he's tired of talking. He's, he's ready to just get this thing done with. Um, He's wearing a hoodie when he walks out, but he takes it off to reveal that he is wearing that scarf that he stole from MJF last week. He spends some time insulting the scarf. Um, he, I guess, looked it up on Amazon, and you can get a 12-pack for pretty cheap, in case anybody's looking for one. He tries to goad MJF into showing up, and eventually succeeds. MJF walks out. He's in a suit, so he's clearly not here to fight. He's got a new scarf on. I guess he did not miss his old one. And he makes it clear that he's not going to waste such a historical match between he and Punk in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. Because, you know, 
Cleveland is garbage. Much like every other city MJF visits. <laughs> he, he might be a little biased. Um, he does finally, finally agree to have a match with Punk next week on Dynamite when they're in Chicago, which is like, if you were going to finally cave, maybe don't do it in Punk's hometown. But I'm thinking not wrestling logic. I'm thinking logic logic. So. My read on that is that he wants to, you know, embarrass Punk in, in his, his city. I mean, cool thought, but dude. Um, you're, I mean, that's a very logical read on that. I, I'll give you that. I just think it's uh, Chicago riot. Um, but MJF declares that after he beats Punk, Uh, The fans will all get to see the, quote, real punk, the one who's difficult to work with and isn't happy if he doesn't get what he wants. He anticipates punk being so mad when MJF beats him that he leaves wrestling again. And then because Cleveland is uh, pro punk and anti MJF, he says, don't you remember back in 2014 when punk no showed here? That's your (laughs) hero. That's how what he thinks of you. And I just thought, man. Good references. WWE, why don't you just let people talk about actual history? But whatever. <laughs> it's beside the point. Um, but the fans dug that, and Punk kind of, you could tell he was like, all right, bud. Um, so Punk reta- er, responds saying that like the fans don't love him because he, he wins or he loses. It's because he tries, and he always gets back up when he's knocked down. So MJF decides to test this theory by summoning the rest of the pinnacle out there. Um, I don't know that we've seen this group all together in a while, but we've got FTR, we've got the war dog, we've got the chair pervert. Chair pervert sneaks up behind Punk and knocks him down so that the others can get in the ring and start beating him up. And everybody's happy to do it, except Wardlow, who kind of stands off to the side, kind of watching, looking a little annoyed. And then finally MJF orders him to powerbomb Punk onto the metal chair that Spears brought out. And Wardlow finally does it, but he doesn't look like he takes any particular joy in the act. So. I was shocked that he powerbombed him. I thought for sure that he was not going to do it, that he was going to help CM Punk. I was hoping. I thought Cleveland, War Dog, you could be the yeah. hero. So this is my new, this is my new timeline, that I think, how I think it's going to play out. <laughs> Next week, Chicago, Punk versus MJF. CM Punk wins. He he fends off interference efforts from FTR and Sean Spears. He still gets the win. Wardlow does not interfere on MJF's behalf. The next week in Atlantic City, MJF is there and he is furious. He's dressing down Wardlow in the ring. And that's finally, finally Wardlow snaps for real and basically like takes out the whole pinnacle all at once. And then you've got MJF versus Wardlow for Revolution. Ooh, nice. When is Revolution? March 5th. Mm, That's still a few weeks after that you got to account for. Well, yeah, but then you're just building a pay-per-view program. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know it would make... It would take away from Wardlow a little as far as his positioning because he's clearly a big scary boy. But I was hoping he would help Punk and then be like, "You go, you want to be friends?" And like, then they would pal around <laughs> <Yeah>. together, <laughs> and he could be Punk's muscle instead of MJF's. 
Are you surprised that they're doing this match on TV? After all this? Um, I know we've been kind of talking about the possibility of it, but. A little, but also like, there's, I don't know what they could do to stretch it out. Because that's, it's too far along, you know? I just wonder, assuming I'm right about MJF and Wardlow, I just wonder what they've got for Punk for the pay-per-view then. I don't know. Uh, I mean, is it guaranteed that Punk is on the pay-per-view? I think so, yeah. I think I think you don't... If you're AEW at this point, you're not trying to do a pay-per-view without a CM Punk match on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I want to see Punk on pay-per-view, but they have so many people with yeah, stuff he's going like on. One of the top, you know, he's yeah. the... He's going to be the... The driver of people to purchase. Yeah. He would move the, the needle on actually purchasing a pay-per-view. So could it be... You said he walked um, by... No, it was Moxley that walked by Danielson. Yeah. Huh. So I think that's going to happen. Uh-huh. Maybe Who it's going to be... Piss punk off. Maybe it's time for his title shot. Against Adam? Yeah. Huh. I don't think he's ready for that. I just feel like he'll have to lose because Adam needs to keep the title until Kenny. Of course he he loses. I know, but that's just like two-face. Well, two-face, I guess that is like a, It's you can do that. I mean, the other option I think is still, I think Adam Cole is still a viable option for that spot too. But I just don't know what you do with Punk. Oh, yeah, because Adam Cole is going to be done feuding with Orange Cassidy here soon. And they're not going to do Adam Cole... Versus the Bucks yet. No. So, yeah, maybe it is going to be Adam Cole. And Cole is currently the number one contender. Mm. So. Maybe Adam Cole will just be like, man, this Orange Cassidy thing really threw me off. I need, I need like a guaranteed win to get like, get back in the game. And he'll just underestimate Punk. Like he's an old star that he could go after. No, I'm I'm I meant Cole versus Hangman. Oh, sorry. Oh, I I thought we were talking about Cole versus Punk. No, no, I think I I think because I've been thinking Cole's going to get the next title shot, and I think that's why they did this Orange Cassidy match. We're going to talk about as a lights out, so Mm. it wouldn't affect his official record. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get more clarity on who's going to be Punk's next opponent. I mean. He's been so wrapped up with maybe Captain Sean Dean will come back and be like, "What the f?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> and be that for the Orlando pay per view crowd. <laughs> Who else yeah. did he call out on his list? Who's his list? I don't know. When he the first his first talk, he had a list. The pillars. I know Darby was on that list. Okay. Sammy MJF probably. Was, MJF was expressly not right. Right, because he's not a pillar. Maybe he'll fight Britt. Britt was a pillar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sammy. Sammy and Jungle Boy, right? Yeah. He could do Sammy for he the could title. Do, that's right. They could do a TNT title. Yeah, that's true. Huh. That'd be an interesting match. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to find out where he goes after MJF. Yeah. Especially with the pay-per-view coming out. But... For now. 
Speaking of one of the pay-per-view people who who draw that money, John Moxley, he's going to have a match on Rampage. It's going to be a big money draw because he's going to face Anthony Bowens. The five-tool player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Acclaimed get a quick uh, video in here to basically express their bitterness over repeatedly losing to John Moxley. They claim that he won his matches against them because he got the jump on them and that's not fair. So now Bowens is going to set things straight on Rampage. I feel like maybe Bowens is going to get murdered on Rampage. I don't know. Uh, John Moxley is angry and all aggressive now that he's back. So this seems like a not wise move, but the acclaim don't make great decisions about who they piss off. So we'll see that on Rampage on Friday. Yeah. No hook, I, though. I I am surprised that there's no hook. Honestly. Um, and I'm sure the Cleveland crowd is a little disappointed. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. But for now, we go to Tony Schiavone, who is talking to Julia Hart. Griff Garrison is with her. And Tony starts to ask about the ongoing issues with House of Black. Julia still has her eye patch on um but he's immediately interrupted by mark sterling who has a neck brace on uh he comes here or comes in and he is there to inform julia hart that jade cargill has personally selected her to be the next challenger for the tbs championship mark also has brought the, a waiver for, that julia needs to sign because of uh quote her eye thing that she's got <laughs> going on um Julia is game for this. Griff tries to discourage her from agreeing to the match, but Julia tells him she can take care of herself and signs the waiver and hands it back to Sterling. So she will be facing Jade. Uh, I don't really remember if they said which show, but... It's uh, it's Rampage tomorrow night. Oh, okay. So quick. Okay. Yeah. Big, big two title matches on Rampage. Hot damn. Uh, in other... Female roster news. Layla Hirsch has a match against Red Velvet because Layla's been getting a little um, mean around her teammates. Red Velvet comes out hot. Uh, I think she attacks either right before the bell or right after, but um, she she runs down the ramp and gets in there. Unfortunately, she cannot take down Layla. Layla rolls her up by cheating. She uses the tights to get her... Um, but yeah, uh, Layla Hirsch is really mean now, and I think it's kind of fun. She had Red, Red Velvet kind of pinned at one point in the match, and instead of taking that and, and going with it, she pulled Velvet up so that she could put her arm into an arm bar after the two count and just continue torturing her. So Layla's got a lot of bitterness going on. What was most shocking about this match is that these were the number one and two, number two contenders. I was shocked to know that. I'm assuming now they've switched places. Red Velvet was number one. Layla was number two. I'm I'm guessing Layla is now number one. I don't know that Britt Baker even knows who Layla Hirsch is. <laughs> I, I know. It, it's like shocking. I don't know. thought this was bad. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I didn't have much written down about it. Just 
It's just, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, they just kind of, it, it was long, and they didn't seem to click. Yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. They didn't click. Um, I don't know. I guess they're used to working together on a team, not against each other, but it was, it definitely, I like Layla Hirsch, and this one just didn't feel like her best work. Um, and then after the match, just to to close the loop on it, uh, Layla attacked Red Velvet, even though she had already won, puts her, in her into an arm bar again, and then Chris Statlander has to run out to help Velvet and chase Layla away. So... Yeah. Ultimately, I think those two are the ones that are going to fight again. We'll see. After that, we get a video from the House of Black. Malachi is here to own up to what Cody said about him, or it said about Brody in his promo last week. He said he brought in Brody King with that name because the House of Black has gained confidence and, you know, they're here to stay. Brody walks up to join Malachi and says Pac denounced the House of Black and he's going to pay for that. So uh, looking forward to to getting a hold of him. But the House of Black is up to their same business. Now Pac's on the radar. And uh, I don't know, a little angry man against these two big men. I'm into it. Uh, After that, we get a picture-in-picture segment with Sammy Guevara doing his uh, cue cards. Fuego Del Sol is here to hold them for him, but basically they're just like, his message is, he's here, he's the champ, it's a victory for him, but also for the audience who have been with him every step of the way, and he just ends with like a thank you to the audience. So, feel-good moment for picture-in-picture. Jenny Jenny read these out loud to me. I did. (laughs) Well, that's usually you're the one reading books out loud to her, so it's, it's nice switch. After that, we have the Brit appreciation segment. Brit Baker is here to uh, basically talk about how she's the best. Um, Tony introduces her by announcing that we're all here to celebrate her accomplishments as the world's greatest women's wrestler, and Brit immediately brings the heat from the crowd by walking out in full Pittsburgh regalia. Um, we're in Cleveland, so that's a big that's a big point of contention. And then she piles on by just getting some real good digs in on the Browns throughout her whole promo. Um, she says that the women's division here in AEW was a wasteland before she became champ, but she's now turned it into a Britopia, which is her version of Utopia. She points out that anyone could have taken over the division. It was wide open, so she didn't have to take anyone's spot. She just made the top spot herself. Um, And then she goes on to say she's been making history since she showed up here. She was the first female wrestler signed to AEW, and the first female to main event Dynamite and Rampage, and four or five other things she doesn't remember. So, Britt, um, Britt was just here to talk about how great she was and piss off the crowd with her Pittsburgh stuff. Honestly, it was pretty fun to watch. I, I enjoyed it. She's very lucky that both times they've been to Cleveland, uh, Baker Mayfield had just had a bad season because the other two years, so it, he's he's like, he had a good rookie year and then a down second year and then a good third year and then a down fourth year. So 
the timing worked out well for her. Yeah, yeah. The correct baker is here to bring glory to Cleveland. Yeah. So. So yeah, that was that was a pretty fun little segment. Um, after that, there was like between transitioning to the main event, there was a quick interlude where Vicky came out and yelled "Excuse me" at the announce team, and then Nyla took the mic and and said that Ruby's victory over her was a fluke and she wants a rematch. So I guess they're going to do that on Rampage. It was one of those like the wrestler comes out on stage, yells at the announce team, and then goes back into the tunnel sort of deals. Yeah, it's it's one of those segments that kind of makes me appreciate the economy of a WWE production. Like I don't I don't appreciate a lot about WWE, but it does feel like a lot of times on Dynamite, Tony's just trying to shove as much in as possible. Yeah. It's like I I don't really feel like we cuz this basically interrupted the segment where the announced team like the match cards are showing up for rampage and dynamite and they're just going through them. And then this was like, Hey, but do you want a, a live segment to tell you about the match? We haven't gotten to yet. That's going to be on rampage. Here it is. And then they show the card and it's like, I didn't, I, you could have just told me. It's yeah. Fine. I didn't remember it happened until you mentioned it. So. <laughs> That's how much of an impression it made. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the last thing before we turned the lights out and everybody was told that this isn't official. The AEW it's, is not responsible for anything that happens. It's not official. They're not responsible. But JR does remind us that both athletes are getting paid for this match. Well, they don't work for free, Jenny. <laughs> how can you be, how can AEW pay them if they're not responsible and not recognizing this as a match? I don't know. I like the original lights out match because didn't they just turn on all the lights in this in the arena and they were just like, this isn't official. Everybody go home. But like, obviously, don't go home. But they they turned all the lights on and took away like the the effective lights or the colors and, you know, yeah, decorative lights. And now all the lights out matches are just like, well, we don't sanction this, but we're going to give you all the special effects. And we're going to turn them off for one second. Yeah. But all that's to say, like, this was a pretty, uh, pretty fun match that happened um, between Orange and Adam Cole. Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. Um, Orange Cassidy gets the win ultimately by putting Adam through some rig stage flooring after jumping off the top of the entrance tunnel with him. Um, but before that, you know, they have they have a pretty all over the place match as far as like traveling around. Um, they even make it backstage where Orange puts uh, or Adam puts Orange Cassidy through Tony Khan's. I don't know what you call it, like production director chair or table. Yeah. <laughs> so those are two live monitors that crashed yeah. around them. Yeah. As Jenny pointed out they were they were very uh, they were very the HDMI cords were very well plugged in because they didn't lose picture. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just laying on the ground. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, so we got our we got our occasional like backstage TK glimpse. Yeah, he looks. He always has that look of like I'm shocked this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> so weird. Um, but yeah, uh, some other other things that came up that were unrelated. As I already said, the Johnny wrestling chant started about halfway through. And it was weird. It was like. The Johnny Wrestling chant that I remember, and maybe there was more than one, but the one that I remember happened as Adam Cole was setting up two chairs, 
and and the crowd started chanting it as if like it was like are you restless like somebody's about to go through two chairs guys like <laughs> yeah and also like i don't know i guess i would just think they're not doing a move exclusive to like if they did something to like give a nod to gargano fine but like you're just setting up some chairs <laughs> like i don't know well, i think they did do a little nod to gargano when adam cole pulled out the chair and I'm sending when Adam Cole pulled out the chair from underneath the ring and he got the, the pullback on it. And I, who was the guy's name? Dan Housen. Dan Housen appeared from underneath the, uh, the ring. The next spot was Adam pulling out a fake trash can from underneath the ring. And as we all know, there was a famous fake trash can street fight between Johnny Gargano and Ciampa that occurred on an NXT takeover. So I was pretty sure that Johnny Gargano would have been holding for dear life on the other side of that fake trash can and, and was going to get pulled out. Megan, you have no idea how fucking pleased Jenny was when she realized that she was going to get to make this joke. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> I am seething. Not. I thought Johnny was going to debut when that series of run-ins happened, like, partway through the match. I did, too. I was like, oh, this is setting up because they're going to need, like, you know, one more to put him up, like, put Orange yeah. over the edge. Yeah, but as it, but it was weird because, like, um, somebody didn't even come out. Who was it? Oh, O'Reilly never even came out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe he's got the COVID or something. But, uh, but... Anyway, yeah, that's when I thought it would happen. And then when it didn't, I was like, okay, well, I guess it's not happening. I was so primed for Johnny Gargano to show up that when he pulled Danhausen out and there was face paint, I'm like, why is Johnny wearing face paint? And then I'm like, it's not, what are you, crazy? Like, like I just wanted it so bad. I'm like, why is he wearing face paint? <laughs> and then it's just like. Were you, so, were you shocked at, like, it's not like, it's not like it was the whole building but a pretty sizable number of those 6,000 people knew exactly who Danhausen was, which I was surprised by. I was, but also just the energy of this crowd and how it had gone so far. I was like thinking this feels almost like it's, it's indie wrestling territory up there, like with AIW and stuff. And it, it felt mm -hmm. like a bigger version of the crowd that some that we've seen at some of those like indie shows we've been to in Cleveland. I don't know. Like it's the right people, I guess. <laughs> The owner of AIW was tweet tweeted yesterday that, uh, like, I guess, like, Britt and Adam had come in a day early because, you know, Britt trained there at AIW. And uh, he said, like, he was just like, you should have seen the look on the faces of the of the women, tra the women trainees when Britt Baker walked in. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so nice. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, Dan Housen is all elite. He has he is officially signed with the company. And I don't know really what he's going to do, but I, I imagine he'll sell a lot of merchandise <laughs> for a while. Yeah, I was kind of like, what is happening? Because he, he was pulled out, and then he just, like, stood there and looked at Adam Cole. And then, yeah, he did his Dan, Dan Housen, like, hand motion, moved around him, and then just sort of casually walked away. Like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just like, it was a nice little interlude. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just I was very happy to see him. Yeah, it was it was fun, but I'm just like, oh, he he's not sticking around to 
to help. Nope, he's just he just left. Oh, okay. Do you think they told Adam Cole that he was going to pull him out? <laughs> yeah, Jenny Jenny has the her pet theory is that it was a total shoot. <laughs> I you know what Adam Cole's such a fucking pro that like I I don't know. I I would have assumed they did, but I also could see him just just playing that the way he did. Just full on pro. Wait for Dan House to make Cassidy the first move. pretty confused. Yeah, when you confuse the guy who's known for just being apathetic about literally everything, I thought that was a <laughs> nice touch. Like, who the hell is this guy? But yeah, I um uh there, it has to be said because Ball Watch 2022, um Adam tried to low blow Orange Cassidy, but because this has happened so many times before this, Orange was wearing his thumbtack cup, and Adam hurt his hand. Yeah, Jenny's face. <laughs> I knew the second I saw the thumbtacks, I was like, "Well, Jenny's gonna hate this." Yeah, but you know, I was honestly, I was grateful to have a street fight in AEW that did not have large quantities of blood. There was just some blood on Orange Orange's. Uh, and I think that was. Fist. I think that was. If if that was real blood, I think it was probably legitimate blood. I don't think. It, I don't think nobody's blading their hand. You know. No, that'd be weird. Yeah, I I just assumed it it had come from. I want to say the, the steps. Smashed. Yeah. yeah. I was. That's what I was thinking. Because when he did the ring bell, a I didn't think he actually hit it. Like, you know, I thought it was filmed in a way that he didn't have to. And b like I wouldn't think it would cut the side of his hand like that. So. Yeah. I like steps. I so one thing I forgot to mention, and the ladder match, I really like how AEW does those black matte ladders. I think they're very aesthetically pleasing. It goes with the whole, um, you know, the ring curtain and the ropes and everything. I think it looks really nice. It looks way classier than those, like, silver ladders that WWE uses. However, as I was looking at all of that, I thought, you guys really need to do something with those stairs. <laughs> It's time we redecorate the stairs. Yeah, and I get that you probably aren't going to make them black matte because that might be a safety issue because it might blend in too well. But you could do like maybe like a, a matte gold or something that to, that goes with the E. I just think it would look maybe look a little bit better than those like really bright stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spray paint those guys. <laughs> Jenny's here to redecorate the AEW set. The finish was pretty crazy. The finish was pretty crazy. Um, Adam Cole went up to the top of the, um, like, above the tunnel. I feel like Nick Jackson's jumped off there a lot, you know, mm-hmm. the Nick Jackson area. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be, like, the the pay-per-view go-home spot for Nick Jackson was to jump off of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he has a style. <laughs> um yeah. But Adam went up there after he had kind of laid laid orange out with, I believe, a, a light, a fake light, I'm assuming, or a real light that was unplugged. Um, but orange was laying down. And so Adam climbed up to the top, but he went too slow because by the time he got to the top, orange had also followed him. And Adam looked over the edge and was like, where'd he go? And then orange <laughs> comes up and Adam looks at him and orange 
does the hug, the best friend's hug. He gets Adam. Adam looks super confused, and then he's like, it's time to go overboard, buddy. And so <laughs> Adam looked terrified, and Orange did uh, did he do a Spanish fly? He did some sort of... No, he just kind of like... He, he just... It was almost like he kind of like belly-to-belly suplexed him. He never let go of him, but Adam Adam like took a header and like kind of fell at an awkward angle. That was I was more worried about that than the actual like, because I'm sure you know it was just a crash pad underneath of. Oh yeah. But yeah, his the angle he fell at was a little worrying. Mm-hmm. Was he okay? I I don't know. I don't think he's tweeted or anything. Okay. I uh, it worries me when they have a very specific section they have to go through because then the outside framing. I always feel like their heads come just slightly too close to that for my comfort. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then when the ref went over to do the the count out, he like fell right. in. It was pretty funny. <laughs> he recovered because he starts slapping the side with his is the count. And it's like, oh yeah, I totally meant to do that. But <laughs> I I think that spot could have been better if the cameraman had panned out with the hug. Yes, I would have liked that. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah. So I. I uh... I felt like Orange Cassidy needed this win. And because the best friends have really been abused in this feud for the most part. Um, but, but you know, they're they're kind of getting some momentum back now with uh, with Trent pinning Nick Jackson on Rampage and Orange getting this big win here. I wonder if this is the end of best friends versus the super click or uh, if there's more to come. Do you think that the, the super click will just be like, all right, forget it. Like not like not worth our time because you know I always wonder if when the heels lose, if they'll come back bitter and just not let it go, or if then, or they'll just make an excuse and be like, "Well, I don't oh, have to worry right. about this." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna bother with this anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't think any of them have been announced for a future match yet, so it's hard to hard to see what the directions are just yet. Hmm. Maybe. We'll get a little bit of clarity tomorrow night on Rampage, which uh, is a Beach Break Championship Friday. I think it's called something like that. Just a lot of a lot of subtitles. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, we got we got Jade Cargill defending the t- uh, TPS title against Anna J. Nope, Julia Julia Hart. Yep. Uh, we've got. The Jurassic Express defending the tag team titles against uh, Private Party. Mm-hmm. And two other matches. <laughs> Moxley and Bowens. Moxley and Bowens. And Nyla and Ruby. Is that happening on Friday? I don't remember. I don't think that one's happening on Friday. Okay. I normally don't do two women's matches on one show. That's that's actually probably the better measurement. Especially, that. especially in an hour-long show. Uh, it is oh, it is Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson versus FTR, which is something we missed on the on the recap. Oh yeah, uh, they're getting back to that. Yes, they didn't explain why. They just said this was delayed, but now it's happening again. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they're I'm glad they're doing it. I'm. They must they must have some kind of idea for an angle coming out of it if they if it was so important that they actually did it after it was delayed, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, who's clamoring for that? Although, I don't know. Maybe there are people. Maybe there's a subset of the AEW fans that are like, we must see Brock Anderson again. I like watching Shawnee Lee Johnson. I do, too. I'm genuinely curious about how their team dynamics are because apparently they're a thing they're they are a team like this isn't just two guys thrown together right yeah but this will be the first time we've seen them yes yes it's the first time the team makes it to television yeah well uh i think we i think we did what we came here to do Mm -hmm. uh wrapped up a little earlier than usual which is nice and uh i say let's use that extra time to get a good night's sleep because uh, in about 48 hours, we got a WWE pay-per-view to watch. Hell yeah. I'm excited for the Royal Rumble surprise entrances because, frankly, everyone's going to be surprised to me at this point with WWE. But I'm sure there'll be some old school people that I, you know, get to see again, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe we can chat a little bit about the experience uh, uh, next week on this show before we get into AEW stuff. But uh, until then, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thank you very much for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.